Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. The details of the new CAP proposals post-2023 have been released in dribs and drabs through the media over the past few months. It's only recently that the Department of Agriculture submitted the final proposals to the EU, which gave a broad outline of Ireland's path for direct payments and environmental supports from 2023 to 2027. So now that there is a complete document of all the proposals in one place, the Chagas Crops webinar on February the 3rd had a dedicated session looking at these new rules and the questions and answer session from that is well worth listening to again. So we will first hear from Cormac McGann and Francis Morin from the Department of Agriculture who will answer a number of questions around the new proposals. Fran answers the first question about the maximum entitlement value and what this includes. You mentioned there that there's a, a maximum entitlement value of 285 euros uh, per entitlement. Is that um, excluding the top-ups, if you like, uh, for, from the point of view of EcoScheme and Chris on top of that? Yes. So that's okay. entitlement value only. Things like the EcoScheme payment and so on, that, that's not included in that. Okay. Uh, Cormac, just for you, um, you mentioned the AECM. Uh, the, there's two parts to that. One is a, a cooperation type scenario. If a farmer is in that area, um, is it mandatory for the farmer to participate in that or can the farmer choose just to go with the, the standard AECM scheme? Or none, as the case may be. That's a great question. Um, at the moment, coming into the scheme is voluntary. Um, the final details around whether or not it'll be only available to you if you're in the, sorry, for the cooperation project, the finalities around whether they will have to participate in the cooperation project are still being worked out. Um, we have done a lot of public consultation on this and we're still sorting through the, the final details of that. Uh, the proposal that we shared back in November where that it was going to be mandatory, um, but as Fran has mentioned, nothing is decided until everything is decided with these kinds of things. Okay. Uh, Fran, I might go back to you. A question there about um, if a farm partnership has two or three members in it, does each of the partners have an individual cap of payments or is the partnership uh, looked upon as one unit? Yeah, so this, this is a common question and not only about the capping of payments, but also with things where it's uh, payments where they happen on a, on a per farm basis to a limit like front loading and like ANC, for example. So um, the story here is that our guiding principle is that we would make sure, try to make sure that any farms who are in a partnership are not disadvantaged by being so. So where there are multi-herd partnerships, we expect that the limit will be per farm. If it's a single herd partnership, I think that will be different. Okay. Okay. Um, another one, I suppose, around, around these, these type of uh, cooperation agreements. Um, what about share farm agreements that are, that are in, in, in vogue at the moment? Or would, do you think they will still be allowed going forward? I, I actually don't know. I'd have, to, okay. I'd have to check that and come back to you if that's okay, Michael. Okay. Um, so I, I'd say somebody's still struggling to um, understand maybe the, the leasing of entitlements and clawback. You might maybe just quickly just go over that maybe again. Sure, no problem. So if you're looking to sell all of your entitlements without land in 2023 and 2024, there will be no clawback. So you don't lose that 20%. If you're somebody who doesn't want to sell and you want to, and I'm all of this now, I'm talking about 2023 onwards, there's no change this year. 
2023, if you're someone who doesn't want to sell, but you do want to lease your land and entitlements, if you're leasing out more than 80% of your entitlements for less than five years, there will be a clawback of 10% per transaction. So let me give you an example on how that would work. Say I have 10 entitlements and I lease out all 10 of them to a neighboring farmer. And I do that for one year. What will happen is that farmer will receive nine entitlements. And when the lease ends or the, the rent ends, you will get nine back. You will have lost 10% or one entitlement. If you repeat that the following year, you'll lose another 10%. The recipient farmer would get 8.1 entitlements and so on and so on. However, if you started with your 10 entitlements and you leased them out for five years, you won't lose any. So basically, it is encouraging you towards five-year leases and longer. Okay. Uh, okay, well, we're just going to take two more questions before we kind of move on, because we, we are going to return to lots of these questions. There's lots of questions coming in. Uh, one is around, and I'm not sure, Cormac or Fran, which one you might want to take, uh, is um, can a farmer opt out of eco-schemes on leased or rented land? So absolutely, yes. Eco-schemes are voluntary for farmers. You don't have to take part. Of course, if you don't take part, then you don't get paid for them. So it will be so when, when you're doing your application in you know coming up to May 2023, you will have to say I am doing eco schemes on all of these parcels. And you'll have to say what the eco schemes are. And you can decide not to do them, but obviously the money then reflects that. The, okay. The so payment. it's not a whole it's not a whole farm approach, it's on a it's on more a, a, an area-based approach, really, whatever yeah. you put in. Okay. Uh, and um, the last one I'm going to ask you there is um, there's a farmer here who has uh, he's a farmer with no entitlements at present uh, and he's wondering how will he be treated from 2023 onwards and he just comments that he's not a, a young farmer at the moment. Okay so essentially that person's uh, situation would be unchanged so there's no new allocation of entitlements so I mean they are free to rent entitlements, uh, buy entitlements, whatever, but they may not want to do that. However, it's important to know that there's quite a bit of, uh, right now, a lot of payments are dependent on you having entitlements. So for example, greening is paid as a percentage of your entitlement value. Young farmer scheme is paid on top of entitlements. In the new cap, there are significant changes there. And you can apply um, in as a BIS entrant with no entitlements in 2023 and receive the eco-scheme payment on your land that you carry out the eco-scheme actions on. And also you can receive the front-loaded payment on your first 30 hectares. If you were a young farmer, I know they said they weren't, but if you were a young farmer, you could also receive the young farmer's payment on up to 50 hectares without having entitlements. So, um, you know, there, there are options. So there's a kind of a shift away from having to have an entitlement as a basis for these other payments. Okay, so you, so you don't even need one entitlement in the first place. You can just just apply through the system without any entitlements. You at can all. be you can be a bis entrant without entitlements. In the next session, Clive Carter, a farmer from Leash, was joined by his Chagas advisor Veronica Nine, a tillage advisor from Leash. Clive started off by answering a question about how the final rules can be tweaked to help tillage farmers. Yeah, as you said, I've been on the CAP Consultative Committee from uh, with the Irish Grain Growers Group for the last two and a half years of that there now. So I have been feeding in a few bits. Um, I just got the plan last night, so I was just reading it a bit there today. Um, 
Yeah, look at um, obviously the convergence and the Chris are going to hit the tillage farms the worst. That's that's a given. I think the department acknowledged that back in the summer that tillage farmers were going to be the worst hit. Um, the eco scheme measures we did push strong to, um, to you know get a few measures and just looking there now. The expanded crop rotation measure is twenty percent, including a few crops. And um, there is uh, soil sampling, or not soil sampling, uh, limited nitrogen reduced, redu reduction measure for tillage farmers too. So it is a help. Um, the, the area I see going forward with the potential is pillar two, and also um, the strong cooperation measure and the protein aid scheme. Um, to, see, uh, to see an increase of nearly 4 million in the protein aid scheme is a big help. And um, the strong cooperation measure too. But um, Look at these things aren't going to make up for the, the loss of income we're going to hit. Yes, absolutely. And I suppose in that vein, um, Veronica, you're seeing an awful lot of, um, I suppose, uh, similar farmers in, in, in around Clive coming in, in and out to you. How do you think in a general sense that's going to be, uh, you know, affect, I suppose, the real tillage farmers who are, who are, I suppose, commercial tillage farmers who generally are much bigger than your typical average farmer out there? Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of um, leased ground um, on people are farming high levels of leased ground up here. Um, we've kind of a very rapidly growing dairy sector in the area. So the land price has increased a lot over the last couple of years, which means that most leased ground now has an entitlement value built into the land price. That is the value it is today and this year. So that's going to drop substantially. I think all recent leases would have a built-in uh, review to happen around this time. Um, so hopefully that will allow um, farmers to maybe adjust the land price accordingly because really you can only guarantee a BIS payment um, going forward. Um, also, I suppose from the leaseor's perspective, if it's a case you're holding ground for in a successor that's not ready, you'd have to move to a longer a five to six year lease. And if you're not looking um, the clawback, the 20% loss from the sale of entitlements for 23, 24 has to be something that you have to consider strongly because the reality is the price of these entitlements or what you're getting today is only going in one direction if you're at a high value entitlement. Okay. And, and Veronica, just to, to ask you in terms of the... Um, the greening is now ending back up in the conditionality bit. So yep. essentially farmers have to do that before, before they can claim anything. Um, mm -hmm. and, but there's an enhanced uh, scenario there. Do you think that in your area around the kind of the, the leash area, will that be relevant if you like and in around your area or is that going to be, will farmers have to look at something different? The, you're talking about the eco schemes, is it? The eco scheme um, end of it, yeah, yeah the, the additional bits, yeah. I think a lot of the farmers in, you know, look, the spectrum is wide. Um, there are some farmers who have struggled to uh, comply with the EFA requirements under greening to date, and there are others who are well over it. I think a lot of farmers like uh, Clive would be hoping to get the 7% for space for nature, if not even the 10%. The crop rotation and hands diversification is going to be an obvious choice, but I would just strongly urge anyone who has no experience with these break crops to maybe uh, talk to their advisor because, you know, if you've been using cover crops with brassicas or if you've dry ground, they may not suit. And look, the reality is with fertilizer prices, it might be a good year to, to, to put a small little bit of ground to a legume. Um, they have a low fertilizer requirement and you know if you you dip your toe in the water this year it might be a good time to do it to get a bit of experience because if you're going for that 20 percent is a lot of ground yeah 
Okay. Yeah, and just on the space for nature, Veronica, we, the day you were out filming with us, um, that morning I, I mapped the whole farm and we're just barely on the 7%. So I, I think a lot of farmers will have to have a little bit of um, flexibility too, that they're not going to get caught, you know, aim a little bit higher for space for nature, just in case. Yeah, I think that's good advice. Clive, I'm just going to finish up with you in this kind of question section, se session. Um, you were probably in a very strong position um, to, I suppose, add up your own um, uh, entitlements or the value that you're going to get back out of the new scheme to kind of see where you are. And I, I presume, like most tillage farmers, you're going to be down quite a bit of money. Have you thought about that in terms of how you're going to replace that money, if you like, on, on your farm in terms of keeping your income um, steady? Uh, yeah, look at it. It's going to be a bit of a hit, a good bit of a hit. Um... I don't know. I'm just going to have to manage it, really. Uh, as I said, um, you know, maximize the strong cooperation measure, the Pillar 2 funding and the AACMs or the AACM scheme, which which I haven't seen the details of yet, but I'm, but I'm interested to see. That's the only way I see of um, of getting it back, because look, at input costs are going through the roof and, and the price of grain isn't really matching it. In this session, we'll hear from Kieran Collins, a tillage specialist in Chagas who answered a question on how entitlements will be treated as an individual or as a whole from 2023. Yeah, I think the, the way I understand it and, and the department lads will, will, will I'm sure clarify, but each set of entitlements will converge separately. But in the least in scenario, I suppose the critical piece really is that the CRISP will only be claimed once. So again, that reduces the value of those entitlements. And I suppose the same in relation to eco scheme, whether it's claimed or not, or as I said there in the presentation, there will be costs involved to, to draw down some of those. So I think the, the message really that I'm getting from this is that, uh, you know, we need to relook at the value of entitlements where, where tillage farmers are leasing them in. Okay, so it's not a, so what you're saying is it's not a, a single value as, as we would have known in the past, whereby it's, uh, it's my... It's my BPS plus greening on top. That's the value. And this is the value I, I, I would like to get back for, for, for renting out that entitlement, which was yeah, certainly it's, it's a, it is a new value. Yeah. Without a doubt. Okay. Okay. Um, and then when you talk about the eco scheme, it's, it's um, from my understanding and, and from what you were saying there is that yes, it can be claimed on all that ground, but it doesn't necessarily have to, if, if it's not suitable. Um, and where do you think that might go in terms of returning that value if it's ever going to be returned back to the landowner. Yeah, I think it's a tricky one because, you know, look, we, we, we've seen the examples that, you know, the, the income from, from the basic payment will reduce. So I think all tillage farmers will endeavour certainly to draw them down. I think, you know, that, that makes sense. Um, I, you know, wh whether they're drawn down, it's, it's going to apply to the owned and the rented land, you know. So again, I suppose... For the leaser of entitlements, you know, I suppose they need to be aware that maybe not in all cases they might be drawn down for whatever reason. And I, I suppose the other one is just the cost then maybe if somebody is going to invest in, you know, a fertilizer spreader or a sprayer or something like that, you know, that there are costs involved. So, again, as I say, again, it, it will alter the, the least in value of the entitlement. Okay. And you went through the, those examples there and um, you, you kind of got down to a final number. And I, and I know you mentioned it already, but you might maybe highlight it again that, that that's not the final figure. And, and I suppose to a degree, it's it's relatively straightforward for farmers to calculate that themselves as, as regards taking off the percentage. But the final figure you came up to, 
There's still a bit more to come off the bottom of that. Yeah, just to re-emphasize that one, like, I mean, that the figures I gave there, you know, are prior to convergence, you know. So obviously for the, the higher value entitlements, you know, that, that is going to be more severe. And I suppose I should say, and, you know, I, I used uh, two examples there where the value was decreasing. Obviously, farmers with, with low value entitlements, obviously convergence is going to work the other way to their in their favor. But I suppose the reason I picked those examples was they are based on the National Farm Survey, the kind of average tillage figures, which tend to have a higher entitlement value overall. For the rest of this question and answer session, Kieran was joined by the previous speakers and also by James MacDonald in Chagas and Michael Maloney from the Department of Agriculture. The first question was answered by Fran around the reference value of entitlements that would be used for convergence. Okay, so the average entitlement value today is in or around 182, 183 euro. And in the new cap, we think that the average entitlement value will be somewhere north of 155 euro, 155, 157 euro, there or thereabouts. That's what the average will be. The reason for the uncertainty is that we won't know that until later on this year. So that's why I'm being a little bit cautious. But within a few euro of that, we think. Okay. Okay. Um, there's a question here, Cormac, I might ask this to you, um, where there's a question around front loading of those payments, as in the, the, the crisp payments. And the comment is, um, that's probably going to end up in the uh, pockets of armchair farmers. Where the concerns around armchair farmers uh, match up with what we've proposed in the cap is uh, a much more robust check, an administrative check for, for the active farmer. Um, you know, if you're in receipt of cap payments, you're going to be asked to demonstrate how you're taking the agricultural risk and the economic risk for the land that you're claiming on. Uh, what, what that, how that would work for a tillage farmer in particular, as this is a tillage seminar, um, you'd be asked, uh, a, a sample of uh, farmers will be asked to produce receipts in their name or a valid share farming agreement uh, to demonstrate that they're the, the individual uh, assuming that agricultural and economic risk. Um, so that's how we'll, we'll, we'll uh, hopefully do away with any cohorts of armchair farmers that still exist. Okay, thank you. Um, I have a question here uh, as regards, there's um, where a father and son are currently farming two separate units and have two BPS applications. Um, and the question is really around uh, the front loading in terms of the father transferring more of the land and entitlements back across to their son. Is that a disincentive? So just let me go back over the question again. So you've got a partnership with two people in it who both are their own separate entities um, and they're looking at transferring between uh, one to the other. And in doing so, the may, uh, one ends up with more than 30 hectares or 30 entitlements yep. yeah so absolutely the front the front loading is um will possibly affect them in that situation and they need to take that into account when, in making their arrangements okay um there was a mention there of um uh, clive you mentioned it there that you you reckon the arable grass margins are going to suit you uh, and and your farming um system and you uh, had a question there around uh, the different payments between that and the grassland, uh, or, uh, grass margin, I suppose, if you like. And I suppose there is a question there around why are there different payment rates for, for both of those? Things? I suppose the land are in um, for the same purpose, if you like. Maybe, Clive, you have a comment, and I might maybe come to maybe Michael Maloney maybe after that. Yeah, now it was just something I saw in one of the preliminary uh, uh, plans going forward. I haven't seen it on the one that, that we got the other day, but... Um, yeah, the margins for arable was, I can't remember the payment off the top of my head, but it was significantly less for a grass margin in an arable field versus a grass margin in a 
in a grassland field. And um, there, there was another one for to include fencing. So I, I just don't know where where the differential in the price came. It seemed to punish tillage farmers a little bit more. Michael Maloney, do you have a comment on that? I suppose I do and I don't. Uh, first of all, it's uh, it's an AACM, so I, I don't deal with, with AACMs as Johnson Castle, but I do know that we'll say in particular when we were dealing with the strong cooperation measure um, and contributing to eco, eco schemes, all AACMs, all pillar twos are based on the principle of cost incurred income foregone. So uh, what I would presume happened in this case is they would have looked at, we'll say the average tillage uh, gross margin and compare that across, we'll say the average uh, livestock gross margin and based your, your cost incurred or in this case income foregone because you, you're setting aside a margin uh, as such. Uh, it's on that basis, I suppose, take, and they would probably have taken an average of the uh, gross margins across all the livestock and of course the dairy um, gross margin would have pulled, pulled that up. That's the only uh, explanation I can give Clive. Uh, we can certainly talk to uh, Johnson Castle and get a get a more definitive answer for you. Okay, and apologies, I I, I neglected to introduce Michael from Michael Milne from the Department of Agriculture, and we're also joined by James McDonald from from Chagas, a financial specialist from Chagas. Uh, just just to round it off, and Michael actually is there. Um, and sorry, we've John Joe Bourne as well from the department as well. As you're there, there's a question in there which regards uh, miscanthus. Will that be finally regarded as a crop uh, and not space for nature or an EFA? Uh, I'd have to check that out for you. Um, it's again, if it's on the list of crops already for for BIS, well then that would uh, continue into into the RBPS. Currently, it'll go into the BIS, um, but uh, I'm not sure in what in what regard for BIS or for what other scheme are you, are you referring to. I suppose to bring it in as a crop, I think Michael is what is what the question was really around. Uh, crop the same as uh, wheat or barley. Okay. Okay. We can, okay. We can check uh, look, there's 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 probably uh, um, uh, colleagues from the department. There's there's a good few questions coming in, and, and a lot of them are around a similar kind of vein. That there the and certainly from from Kieran's um, uh, talk there, the tillage farmer is going to get hit very strongly by the these new uh, regulations, and maybe you might have a comment, uh, maybe as regards. Uh, where you would see tillage farmers going in the future, because I certainly know that there is um, in, in some of the other strategic plans, uh, I suppose, a, a general plan to maintain the area of tillage land in Ireland. Okay, so I suppose, I, uh, do you want to take that, Mike? Okay, Fran, you can, you can, you can back me up if I miss anything. Look, sure. I suppose, yeah, I think there's winners and losers, as we'll say, you know, Fran and his colleagues would, 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 would um, confirm in relation to this. High value entitlements, those people are losers. Uh, people are on the average. I think Fran has highlighted they, they, they're, they're largely going to be, be unaffected. Um, in relation to tillage, there's a number of dedicated measures that, that Fran uh, and, and Cormac have, have uh, gone through, um, such as the strong cooperation measure. It's a dedicated standalone measure worth 50 million over the next, and if you include 2022 and 2021, it's worth 70 million uh, to tillage farmers. Uh, the protein aid has been more than doubled uh, again as, and it's the only coupled payment uh, out there in relation to all the various schemes there's no coupled pillar one payment for, for dairy, beef, sheep uh, it is the only one that's there uh, and it's more than doubling and it will give a degree of certainty to people who want to grow protein crops 
and will take the, the fluctuations out of the, the, the price. It is acknowledged we need, uh, you know, a stable uh, tillage uh, sector. Um, and, you know, we've, I suppose we've, we've gone through a number of years of decline up to 50,000 hectares in the last 10 years as such. Uh, but in the last, uh, I would say, nearly three to four years, we've seen a stabilisation with even an increase uh, in the tillage area in 2021. I think 2022 is going to be uh, somewhat similar in relation to area, but it's going to be a difficult year uh, in relation to, to margins. Uh, but hoping that that's only going to be uh, a one year, um, I suppose, in relation to the, the, the unprecedented fertiliser prices. It is a valuable sector. It's got the best emissions profile uh, of all the sectors out there. Uh, and, uh, you know, we have to acknowledge there are going to be losers in respect of the cap, but we would encourage people to look at uh, the, the uh, schemes that are out there. As I said, you have a dedicated Pillar 1, uh, to pillar, pillar one uh, scheme in protein aid. Uh, you have a, a dedicated Pillar 2 uh, in relation to SIM. And also, in addition to that, tillage farmers have a, sep- a second uh, bite of the cherry in relation to the general AECM measure with a max payment of 7,000. And there is, uh, you know, a, a raft of options inside there, such as Mintil. Uh, I think Clive talked about cover crops. You know, there's over 20,000 hectares in cover crops currently. We'd like that to see that figure to go to 50,000 hectares. Um, so certainly it is, um, you know, the nitrates regulations will also uh, impact indirectly, maybe in, in relation to tillage, uh, in that it may you know, put a bit more heat into the uh, conic or rental market. Again, it, it's something that we can't, uh, you know, adjudicate uh, over. But certainly, I think that, you know, um, in relation to the climate change, there's a lot more of the game to play in relation to that. And and I think that's that's a space where, um, you know, the tillage sector has an important part to play in it. Okay. And I think there is a, the short answer is there is a viable future for tillage uh, in this country. Okay, thanks, Michael. Uh, James, can I bring you in for a second? Uh, I, I kind of have two questions and I'm going to bring the department in after that. Uh, there's a number of questions in there as regards um, for the for farmers who are leasing out entitlements and now they want to sell those entitlements. Is there capital gains uh, considerations to be taken into account there? And um, I, either maybe you might have a comment and, and go to the department then after that in terms of is there any way uh, those farmers might be able to stack those entitlements back uh, rather than losing those entitlements? James, maybe I'll go to you first. Yeah, okay. So um, as entitlements uh, are looked on by revenue as a capital asset, the same as a tractor or a piece of land. So if you sell or transfer a basic payment entitlement, there is a capital gains tax due on it. So I suppose it depends on whether you um, establish them yourself. If you establish them, they come in at a zero value. If you receive them as a gift or purchase them, they have a value that they arrived into your account at. So when you go to sell them, uh, it depends on whether it's a zero value starting off or if they came in at a market value into you, the capital gain would be less. So the rate is 33%. So I suppose... In looking at uh, the clawbacks and, you know, reducing the admin, administrative burden around, you know, moving people towards long-term leasing, um, that's a good thing. Um, but I suppose the other side of it is trying to move entitlements from inactive farmers to active farmers. If the person wants to sell, there will be a taxation due. So 
that's a little bit of a disincentive. But I mean, I suppose there's there's farm organisations making, uh, I suppose, submissions to the minister for finance and revenue to to remove that. We had that back in 2014. So I suppose. It's all up to play for yet, and I suppose um, the proposals are still only proposals. So it's after that then that Robert hit the road as regards, you know, any changes in the tax. So there's pros and, and cons to okay. to what's happening. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, James. Uh, just in terms of stacking, uh, maybe Fran, uh, is there is there potential for that? So uh, as people who are who are leasing out entitlements on a yearly basis don't lose them as you, as you um, uh, outlined earlier. Yeah, so the answer on that is clear, but unfortunately not what some people might like. Uh, so there is no stacking available within the next cap. So it's just, it's not possible. There, it's not provided for in the regulations and we won't be able to do it. So there won't be any stacking or consolidation okay. in the new cap. Okay, so do you know, do any option there for leasing on a, on, a, on a yearly basis is go to a five-year basis to, I suppose, protect those entitlements? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly, yeah. Cormac, could, could I come to you? And uh, there's a question here as regards um, existing scrub areas or maybe the red line areas as would have been there in the past that were excluded from the BPS. Are they coming back into um, the, uh, the application now and where can they be used? So our proposal that we submitted to the Commission is that up to 30% of a parcel could be made up of these scrub or uh, space for nature type of areas and still be eligible for uh, certain types of payments. So the fine detail on that is still to be finalised uh, pending comment from the Commission. But uh, yeah, that our hope is that some of those red line areas will come back in. Um, based on our, our current modelling, we'd estimate that that'll introduce about 55,000 uh, hectares that are currently ineligible into the pot. Okay. And actually, as you're there, Cormac, um, just uh, there's a question here around forestry. Um, a person saying they have uh, forestry. So will the environmental payment be paid on forestry land uh, uh, and also and and also other payments being discussed retail? I'm not sure what that is, but how, how is forestry treated in the in the new system? I'm afraid I'm not an expert on the forestry side of things. I don't know if someone else has a, a... Uh, better background on it but my understanding is that certain areas of forestry will be eligible and there are exemptions for forestry for some types of land uh, but I will probably prefer if you'd uh, submit those comments maybe to Chagas and we can get the answer for you properly. Yeah, no, I'll just make a quick comment Michael if that's okay. Sure. Well, currently um, there's different types of forestry but forestry that is that was planted on eligible land in 2008 so forestry was planted in 2009 or, or afterwards, that land is eligible to draw down basic payment entitlements. Um, so the question I, I reckon has been asked, can if that land can draw a BIS payment, can it get an eco payment is probably the direction that the person is asking. So I don't know, Carmack, if, if, if you know the answer to that, and then forestry pre-2008 was always ineligible, and I assume that will continue. Fran may correct me, but my understanding is that if uh, if a hectare is eligible, it can receive a bis, um, an eco-scheme payment. All eligible hectares are, are entitled to receive an eco-scheme payment. So the answer is yes. Okay. Uh, thank you, Fran. I just wanted to come to you um, in terms of, uh, and again, we're talking about, I suppose, the, the, the future of tillage just a, little, a, few, a few minutes ago, but you did mention um, along the way that the Young Farmer Scheme is it will be beefed up, I suppose, if you like. So you might just maybe go through that uh, a second time. Uh, am I right in my understanding that uh, the young farmer will will get entitlements um, that, that they'll keep in the longer term, but they'll also get a top up over the years, which is a, a pretty significant payment, I think, as you outlined. 
Sure thing, yeah. So there's essentially two um, different things that a young farmer can apply for here under direct payments. So the first is the National Reserve. And from the National Reserve, a young farmer, qualifying young farmer, can obtain an allocation of payment entitlements. So those entitlements would be theirs then to do with, you know, to claim each year and so on. The same as any other farmer then who has entitlements. Those entitlements are given out at the national average value. Um, so they would receive those on whatever eligible hectares up to a maximum that they might have. Um, we are proposing that there would be a restriction. So when a young farmer gets an allocation of payment entitlements, that they would not be then able to transfer those payment entitlements for five years. So in other words, if they show some commitment for the valuable resource that's been given to them for those five years, they don't just sell them the following year, for example. Not that that's widespread or anything like that anyway, but just that kind of shows commitment to farming. So that's one. The second thing then is, and that's a permanent support for as long as we have payment entitlements and direct payments and so on into the future. The second one is the Young Farmer Scheme. There's a new name for that, Complementary Income Support for Young Farmers. And that sees a payment for a maximum of five years paid to a young farmer per eligible hectare. So at the moment, that the young farmer scheme is paid, it's about 68 euro per activated entitlement. So you have to hold entitlements to be able to get the young farmer's payment and there's a, a limiting rate. In the new cap, that changes and changes very significantly in that the, the link is not to entitlements anymore, it's to eligible land. So it's paid per eligible hectare to the young farmer, up to a maximum of 50 eligible hectares. And the rate will also increase. The rate, uh, the regulations have stipulated that there's a minimum of 3% of the ceiling allocated to this each year. That equates to about 35 million. And while that is dependent on the number of young farmers who apply, the number of hectares they declare, we expect that there will be a significant rise in the rate per hectare compared to the rate per entitlement at present. We think that will probably go to somewhere north of 160 euro per hectare. Quite, quite a substantial increase in payment um, for those who are looking to take up farmer. And that, that would be for a five-year period. And just to, to before the question is asked, if someone is already in the Young Farmer Scheme and they're a continuing applicant, then they can continue seamlessly onwards into the new cap. So essentially, the the uh, the old applicants get paid the new money if you like as they, they proceed on. Pay the higher payment. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Look, we're, we we are rapidly running out of time. Um, I'm just going to ask one one other question, and, and it's to Veronica. Veronica, you you mentioned uh, along the way that lease uh, that that land rental is obviously a, a large part of of your. Um, client's business um, and uh, there's a question in here around um, if you're signing a 10-year lease agreement in 2021 what changes should you put I suppose what should you put in place as regards that that lease agreement to make sure that you're reasonably protected for the new rules that's coming through? Well I suppose uh, for this year I I, I probably would be recommending people enter into a six-year lease because that way you um you're covered for the the long-term leasing uh, tax-free income and the stamp duty is removed. And it also lines you up for the next cap reform so that the lease, it, and it'll cover you from the clawback of entitlements under the new cap and prepare you, you, your lease will probably finish just as the new cap is coming in because we are not 100% sure what's coming with that. Um, I suppose that's what I'd be suggesting um, going forward. Okay. 
Thanks, Veronica. Uh, final question, maybe to one of the departments that Michael, you, you wanted to come in there, did you? Yeah, just to come back on the, <clears throat> the Miscanthus, we just checked it out. On, on, on the, currently under BPS, it's eligible for both ANC and BPS. So it is it is an eligible crop, if that's the question that's been asked. And that would, I don't see any change in the list of eligible crops going forward. I don't anticipate any anyway going forward under the under the base. Fran might be able to confirm, but we'd have no reason to change it. So it's currently eligible for both ANC and BPS. Okay. Uh, okay, very last question. Uh, I'm going to ask it to, to one of the departments, maybe Fran. Uh, in terms of a calculator um, if for people trying to figure out what they're going to do going forward um, or how their payments like might look going forward, are the department going to produce one? And when would um, the industry likely to see that? Okay, so we're in the planning of that at the moment. Uh, we are anxious to provide one as early as possible um, so that people can see how their payments might be affected in the future. But I don't have a date yet for that being implemented. Um, the, the thinking at the moment is that one will be available on our website. So you'd be able to go to the website and put in the number of hectares you have, the number of entitlements you have and their current value. And you'd be able to see payment today versus payment in the future. But um, we're, we're just a little bit away from that. Um, so we're working out some of the technical details in the background. We overcome those. We, we, we hope to have it up reasonably quickly. So that was a very long session and thanks very much to the panel for answering all the questions in such a clear and precise manner. So that's it for the Tillage Edge. And if you have any suggestions about topics you'd like to hear about, just drop me a line at michael.nse at chagas.ie or on Twitter at Chagas Crops. We always want to hear from farmers and people in the industry about what interests them, so do get in touch. There are a number of events coming up in the next few weeks and next Thursday, February the 10th at 11.30, we will focus specifically on malt and barley. As the restrictions have eased a bit, Chagas are now going to hold a series of regional walks across the country starting in the middle of February. I'll give you more details closer to that at the time. All of these events can be found at www.chagas.ie forward slash tillage month. Finally, don't forget if you enjoyed this podcast and recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.